morning, everybody. to use my yelling voice. I like that. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Welcome to those online, those of you here in person. I know for some of you, it might be your first time here with us today. Sometime uh, you'll realize there's a bunch of nice people here, and maybe that freaked you out that they were saying hi to each other for a few minutes, but Hopefully you understand that our goal is to be a community and be connected more than it is just to be in a place uh, where it's just a building and it's a gathering. Nobody knows us and we slip in and slip out and our lives are never changed because ultimately our goal is to connect with God and his people and to be more like him because of that. And it's not something that we can totally do on our own, to be honest. So if somebody's told you you can just read your Bible at home and that's all you need, you don't need people. That's not what you read in the Bible, because <laughs> it talks about the need for a community and the need to be connected. Uh, if I've not met you before, uh, a lot of times I'm up with our awesome production team upstairs and helping them. Um, and uh, my name is Joe, and I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads, and uh, it's my pleasure to get to be here with you today. I would be the non-Irish speaking Irish <laughs> pastor. Uh, uh, one of them. And uh, we've been in a series. This is just part two. So if you didn't get to hear part one last week where Pastor Robert shared about the importance of habits in our life and ultimately looking to God to say, who would you have me be? How should I fashion a habit based on how you've designed me to be? If you didn't get a look at that, you can listen to it online. You can use our app or all those things. This is part two, which means we're still talking about habits. <laughs> For some of you, you're like, ha, huh, I hate talking about habits. I hate talking about habits because I feel like I'm so bad at making good habits sometimes. Am I the only one? Especially if you look at it like as resolutions. We're all horrible at those. Whatever you started the year at, you've probably already quit. So don't worry. <laughs> We're not talking about those today. We're not talking about those. Habits are things that we become accustomed to. Uh, we're familiar with them. They're like ruts. Like you've traveled down this road, this path so often that your tires just seem to fit into that groove. That you may not have noticed it. Uh, when you drove up today, there are some deer trails going down the hills over here because the deer follow that same path going up and down there. There's also some moose I've seen up there, but I don't know that that's the same trails. But they go down the same path so much so you know exactly where they walk. If you were to stand back and look at your life, you can find that there's some of these things called habits in your life. You walk down them so often that they've created this groove in your life that kind of guides you into where you're going, but it also becomes the lane in which you travel. That can be good. It can also be bad. Habits are like places we go often so regularly that we don't even think about it. Habits are always a prescription for something. Have you ever gone to the store and picked up your prescription, your medication, your hopefully something to help 
habits are often a prescription, a medication, a treatment for something that ails us. We don't consciously always form this habit to treat this issue that we're feeling or thinking or believing. So if you said, what's my habit? And you thought about a habit in your life, sometimes you can go to the next question and go, well, what is it attempting to cure? And why did I form that? <clears throat> why would God want to talk today to us about our personal hangups or our habits? Maybe you would just prefer if he would stay out of your business. <laughs> and maybe we should just tell another Bible story. But maybe God wants us to examine our lives and see where maybe we've fallen into habits that keep us away from good things that he has for us. I just want to pause. I don't always do this, but Jesus, would you open my ears, my eyes, my heart, our ears, our eyes, our heart, yes. to hear what you want to say to us today? Because if it's just creating another routine, it really doesn't change my life. But if it's something that you speak to me about, that you're asking me to do, then I know and I can trust that it's for my good. God, I ask that today you would speak to us and you would be clear about it so that we would know that this is not just a, a better for you or a, a good thing to do, but this is a God thing that you're asking us to do. And that through all the op options of potential habits that you would have us start, that it would be clear this is the one that you're asking me to start today. Has anybody ever told you a little goes a long way? A little goes a long way? If you're a parent, I'm a parent, I've got three kids. I've for sure said that to my son when it comes to how much Axe scented body spray or cologne <laughs> gets worn to school. You're like, oh, preach it. Yeah, you know about that, right? Okay, finally I hit a nerve. We're just like, they walk into the room and you're like, whoa, <laughs> you almost fell down. The girls can smell them coming. They're like, yes, I smell good. I take care of myself or something. Or they're working very hard because oftentimes habits are prescriptions. They're working to cover up something very bad. <laughs> you're like, you could also just shower. They're like, nah, I got the spray. It's faster. <clears throat> Maybe you've been with a friend to a restaurant and maybe it's like a, a, a Mexican restaurant, and they go, oh, this salsa is so good, but it's very hot. And you're like, no, it's not. I do salsa. You, and you start going for it, and you're like, whoo, whoo, that's hot. I went to, a, in Syracuse, there's a Korean restaurant that I love to go to. Yep, they've been there. Um, <laughs> the first time I went with a couple that I'd never met before, and I wanted to get this um, Korean dish and they allow you to order it in different strengths, like mild, medium, hot. I'm not a hot guy. Like, I wouldn't order the hottest thing. That's not my strength. But sometimes mild is just so mild. And you're like, eh. So the lady came up, and I placed my order, and I said, I'll get the, I like it with medium spice. And the people I was with was like, I would back down to mild. Everything they do here is more than normal. This is what we do. And I was like, nah, I'll be okay. 
I cannot tell you how much I sweat through that meal. So much so, I like needed a towel and I was crying the whole time. It was so hot. That was not medium on any normal person's scale. But if you've burned yourself or your tongue so much in the past and you can't feel anything, then you go, yeah, it's probably a medium. It's probably a medium. When you say a little goes a long way, spice can be like that. Scent can be like that. The series is good because habits can have a huge impact in our life. And today we're going to talk about positive habits. We're going to talk about the habits we would want to start. We're going to talk about how to work on stopping bad habits in our life next week. You should be here for that. I'm certain that there might be one thing in your life that God would go, hey, if you could stop that, that will help you. And I'm sure in your life you're going like, if I could stop that, I would, right? Maybe with God's help, the ability to flip the switch or turn that off, I would show up next week. Or tune in online if you can't be in your person because there's habits that I'm going, how do I stop that habit? How do I stop going down that same trail? I, I want to be here for that. It's going to be good. Big changes don't always have to be big ordeals. Oftentimes, it's the small commitments that add up to big results when those commitments become habits. To make a habit, it requires discipline. You can't accidentally make a habit, whether you intend to or not. It requires us to continue down the same path until it doesn't require thought. The things we do without thinking are often habits that we form by repeatish, conscious or unconscious actions. We do it, we do it, we do it. Eventually, you don't even think about it. Imagine you're on that, that um, line where they just pick out the bad things off of the, the whatever you call it, the conveyor belt going by. You just Eventually, there is no mental thought going on what I do. It's literally just a system. You go, okay, I just do this. In our life, we do that. It says, much of what we normally do is not a result of our constant choices, but of daily activities. Craig Rochelle, that's his thought. In 2006, he supported with this idea. There's a, a study by the University of Duke that says 40% of the things that you do every day, they're not even conscious decisions. They're habits. You don't even think about it. You're not like, you know what I'm going to do right now? You just do what you did yesterday and the day before. I can tell you that that happens to me. I don't... Usually every morning take uh, my youngest to school and sometimes I get nominated because it's cold out or something like that or, or I'm in, not having to travel. So I'll start taking her to work and then I'll start thinking about things for work or whatever and then I'll just automatically start driving to my offices down in West Jordan, like 45 minutes away. We'll be five minutes past the school and she's like, Dad, aren't you taking me to school? And I'm already on the freeway like... I just blazed right past, literally drove right past the school, kept going, because it wasn't even a thought, because I just got in the rut, I got in the habit, and I just did what I'd done so many times before. You ever done that before? Uh, when we lived in Southern California, uh, I worked a, a place in Pasadena, and then every night I'd be driving home, and we'd drive. There was a night that I literally drove 10 minutes past where we lived because I forgot we moved. Because it was the place I'd driven to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before. So I was probably two minutes from our old house when I realized I need to drive to our new house. That's what a habit is. 
You've done it so much that you don't even think about it sometimes. So if you want to change your life, you want to change your destinations, you have to be willing to change your habits. Most of us, we want similar things, but why don't we all see similar results? Most of us want to have the same type of habits, but we don't have the same type of results from those habits that we want. See, goals in themselves, they don't have any power unless they're supported by a system or a plan to help you get there. And that's oftentimes where we struggle. Like we have this great grand idea of this is what I would love for my life to look like. This is what I think God would love for me to do. How I get there, no idea. What do I need to do to, to make it to that place? I have no idea. Or I'm not willing to do the things that it takes to get there. I want the good thing, but I don't want to do the work to get there. Uh, James Clear, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. It says, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. If you don't create a system to support the habit you feel God calling you to do, and we'll talk about how to do that. It's really simple, actually. It's hard to have success. Maybe that repulses you, the idea of, I want a new system in my life. Because you're a go-with-the-flow person. You're like, I'm going to go with my feelings for today. Good luck with that. Because the reality is we feel differently every day, don't we? If you're guided by how you feel each day, some days I feel like doing the right thing. Some days I don't feel like doing the right thing. Do I ever get to where I want it to go if some days I decide to drive east and other days I decide to drive west? Or maybe you just like to drive to the sun. Well, the sun is moving target. So you're going to start your day driving east and you're going to end your day driving another direction. How, how are you going to enjoy getting to the place you're supposed to go if you continue to just follow something that's moving? If we don't support our goals or our habits with a system to help us achieve it and to help us arrive at our destination, it's mostly just a fantasy. It's not a real goal. John Maxwell, he said, success is the management of good ideas. See, we have good ideas. We're not short on good ideas for what is something we can do in our life to help us become who God's made us to be. We're like, I know exactly who I'm supposed to be, Nathan. But how do I do the repeated thing to create that habit, that rut in my life that I just fall into doing that thing repeatedly? That's where I struggle. We're going to look today, uh, in case you were like, well, I do want that Bible story. Well, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. Because it's great to know what John Maxwell or whatever this author or that author says. But what does God say to us? And ultimately, that should be our source, our point of reference for what, what should happen in our daily life. If you open your Bible or you have your Bible on your phone, in Daniel chapter 6, there's a story about a guy named Daniel. It's, just not, it's a shock. But it doesn't always work like that. Because there is no book of Jesus. There's lots of books that talk about Jesus, but he doesn't have his own name after him. So I don't know why he didn't get one. And the other guys did. In Daniel's experience in, in chapter 6, it's a very interesting thing because you're going to notice that he has a habit and routine he can't get out of. And he doesn't want to get out of. Because it's actually, you can have good habits. And that's what we're going to focus on today. What is that good habit that God would have you create in your life? 
early in the book in chapter 6, you could see that Daniel stood out. He was different than the people around him. It says he was distinguished in verse chapter 3, in verse 3 of chapter 6. It says he had an extraordinary spirit. Out of the 120 leaders in his group, Daniel was the guy who stood out. It says he had an extraordinary spirit. Pause. How would you like to stand out and people say there's something extraordinary about you? In a good way. That's what, <laughs> that's what they were talking about here, right? <laughs> that there's something in that person that's different from everybody else. I believe that that's what God has called his people to be. A light in a dark place. Extraordinary. And you'll see why Daniel's extraordinary. Actually, if you... Flip back into chapter 5, it says that Daniel was extraordinary because it was God working in him to provide him knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams and riddles, and helping solve difficult problems for the king. See, Daniel had opened up his heart and said, God, however you want to use me, use me. And he goes, I'm going to show this king that he can have as many wise men, as many wise people as he wants, but wisdom comes from one source, and it's me. And that means, Daniel, when he has a problem, when he doesn't know where to turn, when he's up all night and he feels like he has this problem, he's going to ask everybody and go, yeah, that's not it. That's not it. And then he goes, I want you to tell him, I'll pray. I'll talk to my God and I'll tell you what it is. And over and over, repeatedly, Daniel had proven that God had the answer for the king. He was a handy guy to have around. He made life better for the people around him because God was working in him. And that's what God's called us to do. But Daniel was such a great guy, the other 119 guys, not so happy with that. Yeah, Daniel's extraordinary. Because every time they would go to share to the king, here's what I think. He goes, yeah, yeah, save it. <laughs> you guys are always wrong. You're never right. You keep telling me it's these things, but it's not. Daniel's got the answer. His God has the answer. You don't. So needless to say, they said, we don't like Daniel. Very much the same when you read in the New Testament, the stories about Jesus. All the church guys were like, we don't like Jesus because nobody listens to us anymore because we have all these trends and traditions and things that we tell them to do. And they go, yeah, that's not good. Jesus said, if I just prayed to God, he would answer. They go, no, no, you need to do it this way. You need to do it our way. Or even when Jesus would help somebody and he would heal them, but it was the Sabbath. It was their, it was their holy day. And he would go, they go, oh, you can't, you can't help people and you can't do work on a holy day. He goes, isn't there a better day to do it on? You see, sometimes when we do the right thing, we won't always generate a lot of fandom. Not everybody will always support us because we're doing the thing that God has asked us to do. But God never leaves us. And he doesn't forsake us just because there aren't people behind us going, Woo! Do it again! Do it again! You don't always get celebrated for doing the right thing. Daniel wasn't getting celebrated. In fact, these guys came up with a plan, a plan to get rid of him. Much like when you read in the New Testament, it says that they started scheming. They started planning to get rid of Jesus because they didn't like the competition. All they could do was go after Daniel's extraordinary spirit because they knew the source of what made him special. So they devised a plan. They went to the king. They tricked him. They played on his own um, desire for 
people that are like him to be famous. He's a king. Those types of things. And they said, you know what, king? For 30 days, nobody should pray or worship to anybody but you because you're our king. This is going to show loyalty. This is going to bring people together. They told him all the good reasons why. And he didn't think of any of the bad things that could happen from it. So he goes, let's do it. Well, they inserted this clause that says, by the way, if we catch anybody doing this, we're going to throw them into the den where we keep all the lions and they'll eat them. You see, sometimes there are people trying to take the things that God has from you. Even when you're doing the right thing. In John 10 in the New Testament, it says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Greek word for steal is klepto. If you've ever heard the term like somebody's addicted to stealing, they're a kleptomaniac. Our enemy is addicted to trying to take the good things that God has from you. So if you're just trying to make a good habit and a good plan and you're grabbing on and holding it as tight as you can, I had a friend who used to call it white knuckling it. It's like you squeeze so hard and you're doing it alone. There's people trying to come out change that pattern or that routine the enemy comes to distract you to detain you and devour every good thing in your life see if he can help take your focus off of God then maybe he can adjust how people see you because maybe you no longer have an extraordinary spirit maybe it's just an ordinary spirit See, Daniel was extraordinary regularly. In fact, he had a habit. We're going to read it right here. In Daniel chapter 6, it says, When Daniel learned that they signed this document, banning worship or prayer to anybody other than the king, he entered his house and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and offering praise before God, just as he'd been doing previously. See, Daniel didn't have an extraordinary spirit because he was just an amazing guy. It was because three times a day he set aside time to put God first. That was Daniel's habit. He says, you know what? I need to wake up in the morning and go, God is first. And you know what? My day can get crazy. He goes, in the middle of the day, I need to pause. I need to put God first. I need to thank him for all the good things he's doing in my life. I need to ask him for help anytime I can. And he goes, guess what? I cannot finish my day without putting God first again. You start to do that regularly. You start to do that every day. Guess what? You start to reflect this God that you spend all this time with. Did you know that you can do that? That the more time you spend with God, the more you start to act and sound like God. There's a story in the Old Testament where Moses used to go up onto the mountain and he used to connect with God. Or he would go into this place they call like this temple area where just him, he would meet with God. You know, it said he spent so much time with God that his face would start to glow because he was in God's presence. So he actually had to kind of put a veil on. What they saw in Daniel was that they saw God reflected through him. He's shining Jesus. He, wherever he was going, people were like, he doesn't think of things selfishly like I think of things. He's not thinking about himself when he's offering this advice. He's not coming up with just great ideas. This is God moving through him. Guess what? So they tricked him. They saw that he was doing it. They told on him because that's what we live in a world where there's lots of tattletales and they like to tell on us if we don't do the things they want us to do. 
But the sum, our life is the sum of all these small disciplines, these habits that we put into our life, whether we choose to keep them or ignore them. When these guys were told on him, they pointed it out. And as soon as the king heard this, and it's in verse 14, it says, as soon as the king heard it, he was deeply distressed. And he set his mind on rescuing Daniel. Daniel was good to have around. The king was not trying to create a law or a rule to get rid of him. Not at all. It says he stayed up all night, exerting himself, trying to think of a way to save him. So the men came in and they said, hey, by the way, you can't change the rules because that's the kind of place we live in. If you make a law by the Medes and the Persians, it's unchangeable. You can't even cancel your own law, king. So the king gave the orders. He said Daniel should be brought to the lion's den. The king said this. He goes, Daniel, your God, whom you continually serve, will himself rescue you. That's a big statement of faith from somebody who's not a follower of Christ. Daniel had, had such an impact on the people he worked with. He had such an impact on the person that he served, the king, that the king had started to grow in faith. He started to go like, this lion's den is not big enough to stop your God. You're going to be fine. And I don't know if the king said that with like, all the wish he had, like he was just wishing that this would happen or trying to make Daniel feel better. But the king said, yeah, hey, your God who you continually serve, he's going to be there for you. He's going to rescue you. So it says they put a stone over that, the enclosure in the mouth of the den and sealed it and nobody could go in. It says the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. He said, I don't want any food. I don't want any friends. It's not a good day. It says he didn't sleep all night. Daniel's spirit was so extraordinary that he had become a friend of the king. When Jesus is in the center of your life, you'll earn favor in places where you don't deserve it, maybe. People will care about you in ways that they don't have to care about you because of how you've acted towards them. When you do the small things, God will do the extraordinary things in you and around you. It says the next day when they had come to the den, to Daniel, the king cried out in a troubled voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, whom you continually serve. Has your God been able to rescue you from the lions? I wonder how long Daniel waited to answer. I wonder if he was just messing with it. I, it would, that, maybe that's just me thinking that way. Be like, let's give him a minute or two. Let's see how many times he yells it out. Or if he was just so bored in there because the story says that the angels came and shut the lion's mouth. They weren't hungry for some Daniel. Daniel tells him and says, I'm here. What's for breakfast? The end of the story is those guys who wanted to get Daniel, they ended up spending some time in the lion's den themselves. It didn't go well for them. The habit that Daniel had of each and every day 
spending time with God and connecting with him in such a powerful way that it changed his life so that everybody around him saw it, it got him through this circumstance. And in fact, it probably helped um, those people around him start to believe in his God in a whole new way. They started to see God differently than they did before. So if we're going to develop systems and habits like Daniel did, then how do we go about that? First Corinthians suggests, it says, hey, um, do you know that all the people who run a race, but only one person gets the prize? So if you're going to if you're going to make a goal, everybody makes goals, but if you're going to make a goal, if you're going to make a habit, do it so you're going to achieve it. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize with purpose in every step. So in every day, the goal that you've made, the habit that you're working to form, are you purposeful in achieving it and trying to reach it? Are you disciplining yourself to do it? Maybe you're like, I don't know where to start. Besides just thinking of a goal and then trying on my own to do it, I don't know what to do. I don't think I can run this race. It's too much. I've got some friends. I've got some family going through challenges where they're trying to create good habits. And some of the conversation centers around one day at a time. Sometimes it's one step at a time, one, one moment at a time, because trying to create a 365-day habit is hard, and it feels like so much. But if it's just a today, here's what I'm going to do today, you start to shorten it and goes like, what can I do today towards doing this? I can do it. 1 Timothy says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That means that God didn't give you a spirit that is so afraid of doing the good things that God would have you do, but in fact, he's given you, listen to this, God has given you a spirit that has self-discipline in it. That inside you, not of your own strength, but the spirit of God that lives in you has self-discipline. Tap into it. That's what Daniel was doing. He was tapping into God's strength. His self-discipline came that God gave it to him. Maybe you say, well, does changing one small thing going to change everything? Maybe not. But it could be the beginning of some big things. Maybe making one habit helps you because you start to realize, like, I can do this, and it allows you to do other things. Zechariah, it's a very famous book. Everybody reads it all the time. It's in the Old Testament. It says, don't despise small beginnings. Starting with one goal, starting with one habit, one thing that's simple and easy and measurable to do is an okay thing. Please don't think that you need to create 40 new habits because you're not going to probably be able to do 40 things. But we need a system. We need a plan to get there. When times get tough and we really want to be able to do hard things, we can fall back on previous bad habits sometimes. There's a saying from a famous boxer. And he says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
this came up because reporters were asking him, hey, you're getting ready for this big fight. What do you think about Evander Holyfield's plan to beat you? What do you think about his plan? He goes, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. He's saying he can plan whatever he wants, but when I punch him, all plans go out the window. You're going to have days where maybe you feel like you get punched in the mouth. But can I tell you how this is not true? Evander Holyfield did have a plan, and he won. Maybe Mike Tyson should have created a better plan than I'm going to punch him. So when your enemy comes up against you and says, oh, I'm going to help them have a bad day, and we're going to miss our habit today, then your question is, am I going to stick to my plan? God, am I going to ask for your help to stick to your plan? I can tell you that this was my experience this past year. I've been a Bible reader. I've been putting God first in my life for a long time. But I don't know that regularly I've said, every single day I want to connect with God. And I want to read through the whole Bible this year for sure. I mean, I've made attempts at it before. Who's made an attempt, right? You're like, it's an attempt. I got going. I got cruising. I was doing good. And then it was like, I don't know what happened today. We did this family stuff, all these other good things, and I got distracted, and I didn't do that thing that I wanted to do. And the next day, I was like, oh, I missed a day. So you know what? I quit. No, I didn't. I just read what I missed yesterday, and I started today fresh. And I would have days where I would go like, look, my app is telling me I'm streaking. I'm 47 days in a row doing the thing that I want to do, that I love to do, that I'm encouraged to do. That helps me center my day around that. Last week, you got to see a, a video, if you were here, from my wife, the hottest, sexiest Filipino chick babe in the world. <clears throat> I was taunted to be able to make sure I said that. Uh, she's uh, teaching in the nursery today, teaching, caring for, hurting, whatever happens in the nursery. But we knew that we wanted to start last year with a habit of making sure that God was the first thing in our day. So my, my habit was like, when I wake up, I'm going to start my reading. I'm going to start my reading before I get out of bed, before I look at my email, before I check my social media, whatever, before I do any of that, because before you know it, then it's like, oh, I got three calls waiting for this and that. Life is busy. My work was busy. And I would just miss so it started with creating that plan. I'm, I made it a whole lot more than I missed it. A whole lot more. And I was encouraged the more that I do it. Because it wasn't a legalistic approach at trying to accomplish this goal. It was something that God was giving me power and strength to accomplish. And when I messed up or I failed for a day, I didn't feel like he loved me less. I felt encouraged to go like, I'm not giving up. We made it through the whole Bible. I, I made a, it was for sure my best year. 339 out of 365 days, I was there. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. That's better. I set a goal and God helped me accomplish it. I for sure read every single one of those and, and God spoke to me through that process. I hadn't done that before. That's one part. God's already speaking to me about the goal to add to, that's a new goal for this year. Because he's loving and he's patient and he's kind and I said, God, what would, be, what would be the goal that you would have me have? He said, you know, we did a lot of reading, and you did really good. But there were a lot of those days that you didn't stop and talk to me about it. 
I had done my reading, but I hadn't stopped and prayed every day. And he was like, let's just do that. It doesn't have to be for an hour. Let's just talk. Because there might be something from what you read and what you learned, and I know you were probably going, what would I take away from this each day? But I might want to speak something totally different from that to you today. So would you, would you take at least five minutes to pause and talk to me each day? That's my goal this year. That's the thing that I'm adding to that. And that's one of the things that's interesting is that you may see somebody who's been following Jesus for 40 years and they have all of these God-following habits, but it starts with just one. And then the next year you can make a new one and now you have two. And the next year you have three. And I heard this young man talking to this older guy. He's like, there's no way I'll ever be able to do this like you because you're so perfect. He goes, I've been doing this for 35 years. You've been doing it for three he goes, could you expect to have the same number of God-led habits for somebody who's been doing it 10 times longer? No. And you don't need to. You just set your goals along with how God is leading you. If you need to process on which areas or which avenues should I search for to find my goal? One, for me, would just say, stop trying to come up with whatever you think that should be. There's five helpful categories that God may speak to you in each one or just one of them. Faith, it's your relationship with God. Maybe God would lead you to follow his direction and start a habit related to connecting with him regularly. Family, maybe God would say that he would love for you to start a habit where maybe it's praying with your spouse. Maybe it's um, having a family meal with your kids once a week. If <laughs> Everybody, when they were uh, two to seven, it was simple. We, did, we could do it every day almost. When they're 20s, you're like, I don't even know if I'll see them this week. Um, but you can make a goal. You can try. What is my goal related to my friends? There's a verse in the Bible that says, bad company corrupts good character. Maybe, maybe your goal related to friends is, I want to have friends who are going in the same direction that I'm going. And I want to spend more time with them. It doesn't mean I don't love and care for people who don't know Jesus yet. But I need people who are going in the same direction who will link arms with me and help me on the days that I'm having a hard time. That's what I did in high school. Because I started to make all these friends. And I started to link arms with all these people. And they were going in that direction. And I knew God had called me to go in this direction. And I had to make a choice. If you're a student, sometimes that means you have to make a choice who you choose to link up with, and who you choose to become friends, it, may, it may, may chart your direction. And you may have to make a choice to say that this friendship is not more important than the direction that God has for my life. Because you can love people, and you can support people, and you can encourage people. But who you stay connected to at the closest area? Uh, Pastor Rob said before, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Finances, that's an area that's always fun to talk about at church. So, hey, let's do it. If you're struggling in your finances, have you put God first in your finances? The Bible has a whole lot to say about it. If you're not giving God a tenth or part of your salary first before you pay everybody else, 
you'll always feel like you have less. It's weird how the math works, but it works that way. I'm just starting on working on my taxes and things, and I realized that I gave more than I've given before this year. And I realized it was correlated that I made more than I did before because I've been putting God first over and over and over every year, every time, every bonus, everything. He's first because I don't believe that it's I'm better or I'm good, and that's why this came to me. It's because that God is good, and I'm his son, and he blesses me. And all these good gifts, says every good gift comes from the Father above. So instead of internalizing and going, these are rewards for what I've done, I go, this is a reward for being a son. This is a grace. And to thank him and give back, it doesn't take much for me anymore. I mean, it, the, the bigger, the more zeros you start to add, the older you get because you start to make more. But when I started when I was 15, I, made, I would get a check for $30, giving him three it's just as hard as when it's $3,000 because it's still 10%. Yeah, enough of that? Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> but I'll challenge you. If you, take him, if you hold him to that, if that's what he challenges you on, you watch how he shows up. You watch how he'll be faithful. Maybe the last one, uh, I guess I have, they had to have five Fs. I don't know why. Fitness. Throw it away. Forget it. I'm just kidding. You're like, what's your goal, Joe? Yeah, my goal is not to talk about this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's an interesting thing. I listened to a message that Craig Rochelle talked about this, and he said, sometimes the goal that you make may not have as much power as you think it does, but it can be a keystone or a cornerstone that helps you form other good habits. One of the ones he used as an illustration, he goes, my goal for that year was to floss every day. They're like, this is not a big spiritual. He goes, but if I learn to be, that I can be disciplined every day to do my flossing, he goes, and these other things that I want to do that I know that I need discipline in, he goes, I just have this confidence, like, I'm disciplined. No, I can do that. I can do that. Because look, I do this thing that I hate to do so much. I do it every day. He goes, so if there's something else I hate to do, I can do it. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're like, you know what? So for me, my goal is to go away from soda. I don't even drink sugared soda. It doesn't matter. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> it's a gateway drug for me. Because it should come with like a double cheeseburger or a Snickers bar or something. It just needs, a, it needs, it needs something, right? So you get this sugar-free, zero whatever flavor, uh, soda, and then you're like, you know what I really need is something that's filled with sugar to go with it so that now you're like, I should have just got this sugared soda, right? No, I should get neither of them. Because what I found is the years that I've made that a goal and that I've done that, then I've cared more about my health, more about the other things that I ate because it was a cornerstone thing for me. It wasn't about I'm making a goal to go to the gym X number of times a week. It was like, I'm going to start with that I'm not going to put bad stuff into my body. I don't care about more what I eat. And for me, it started at the top. It started with soda. Why, that is. So sometimes it sounds silly. And as you think and pray in just a second about, God, what would be the one thing that you would have me do related to my faith or my fitness or my family or my friends or my finances? Just start with one, God, because you know I'm slow. If you, if you want to add more, we'll get there, okay? 
But I would encourage you, if you just start with one thing, that God will surround you and he'll support you. And when you fall on your face, he will pick you back up. And he will love you and he will walk with you. If you've never heard the story of the prodigal son, it's an amazing story of how a son takes everything and he squanders it. And then he goes, I'll just go back because I'm starving to death. I'll go back and see if I can just be a worker. The response from God shows God's heart to us when we make mistakes. It says he ran to his son. He throws his own cloak on him. He puts his credit card on his finger, his ring. It was where he could purchase things. He goes, you're back. And he goes, let's have a feast. Let's have a party. That's how God feels about us. So he doesn't care the fact that you messed up yesterday. He goes, today is a new day. and I'm glad to be with you today. God is loving. And sometimes the perception of what we think he thinks about us, it's very far from true. Let's pray. Jesus, based on who you want us to become, would you show us what is the one habit that you would have us start today? Tomorrow is not a day we can do anything about right now, but today is. Would you make it obvious to us? Would you make it easy enough that we can understand it and do it repeatedly? Would you help us supplement it with a system, something like this? I will read my Bible every day after I wake up. I will give my tithe to my church the day I get paid, not when I find out what I have left after the end of the month. I will go to the gym on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if that's what I will not drink soda any day all year because you will fill me with good things. I will stop hanging out with this or this. I'll think about that, but I'm going to make a positive habit. We're not going to say what I'm not going to do. We're going to say what I am going to do. The habit, you're going to, I'm going to make one new friendship where their heart is centered with you, Jesus, and that they'll be an encouragement with me, and I'm going to start to spend more time with them or that family or that couple. Jesus, would you speak to us about What is the one habit you would have us start this year? And would you support us and surround us with people who care about us, who will encourage us in doing the very same thing? I don't want to know your habit. I don't need to know your habit. But you need to know your habit. You need to be clear enough and committed enough that you're willing to follow through. Because I believe a God-led habit is life-transforming. They are the building blocks and the disciplines and the things that help us become more like him. We're going to talk next week about how to delete and how to get rid of bad habits. But talking about how to have a good habit in our life is so important. So I'm going to just have a few people come up and be available for prayer. If you want somebody to pray with you, that God would give you strength and focus and follow through, and that you would be encouraged to do the right thing, and you just want to share your habit that you feel God leading you to start with somebody so that you can follow through on it, because you're like, you know what, I might walk out and say, I made that up. I might forget about it. I I need to tell somebody, just for my own benefit. If that's you, then I want you to feel free to come and pray with some people, okay? Pastor Nate, would you come up, and Aaron and Joe, would you guys be willing to pray if somebody wanted to pray, and Shannon and 
Gray and Char, and would you guys come up as well? I don't know that there's power in confessing uh, a, a habit or a goal that God's leading you to do, but I know that doing anything alone is really hard. And if somebody can pray with you and agree with you that God has spoken to you and you want to go, this is what I feel like God said, and they can just agree with you, I believe that there's power there. I know that we're better together than we are on our own. And while that thing may feel silly to you, like, yeah, God spoke to me, I'm supposed to floss each day. Zechariah says, don't despise the small beginnings. Nobody's going to laugh at you because this is what God said. If God's speaking to you, if he's making something clear in your heart, there's nothing, no shame in that. That's a good thing. So, Jesus, would you just encourage us all to follow through with the things that you're saying to us? And would you surround us and support us with people going in the same direction who will believe with us that you'll help us to be all that you're calling us to be this year? In Jesus' name, amen.